This week, Halloween made history as the day Congress set the rules for an impeachment of the President of the United States, who then announced he was moving to Florida. The House vote Thursday made clear the partisan divide in case there was any doubt left. The Democratic majority approved the rules for impeachment without a single Republican vote. In South Florida's delegation, the lone GOP rep is Miami Congressman Mario Diaz-Balart, one of the president's earliest and staunchest supporters. Congressman Diaz-Balart served in Congress now for 17 years. He represents the 25th Congressional District, which includes much of, of West Miami-Dade, Hialeah, Doral, across the Everglades, DeCollier, and Hendry Counties. He joins us live in the studio this morning. Congressman, great to have you here. Good My morning. pleasure. Good to see you again. So mm -hmm. first question on Thursday, you voted no. Was that to the rules of impeachment or no to just the inquiry at large? Well, it's interesting. What, what was brought to the floor were the rules as to how to proceed in this process, but they've already been in the process for, for over a month. So it's a little bit uh, dramatic when you bring the rules forward after you, all, you have already been doing the process. And so it's a bit of a show vote, unfortunately. Um, and, and by any... By any but, but isn't that is the process by which an impeachment inquiry goes? It's really interesting. If you look at the two most recent impeachments, right, uh, Nixon and Clinton, um, this process has been totally in violation of the spirit and the process that was initiated in those two but, impeachments. But in, in fact, the rules from 74 and 98, Nixon and Clinton, basically set the framework for what has been, what was proposed on Thursday. I mean, they, they are not so different, are they? Well, it's interesting. Yes, they are, uh, Michael. For example, in the Nixon impeachment and the Clinton impeachment, the minority had the ability to uh, do subpoenas on their own. They're not allowed to do that. Um, in, in the rules before, uh, president, the president had counsel, lawyer, in all of the hearings, which, by the way, but have not... But he now has, he has the right to counsel. No. Pre present evidence? No. Examine they're saying, evidence? They're saying that once it finalizes this stage, that when it goes to the next stage, that to the then... the Judiciary Committee? Yes, that then he will have uh, uh, access to counsel. But again, uh, that is new, because in the two previous uh, times, impeachment, obviously I was not there, but the, uh, the president had right to counsel during that process. And here's the other interesting thing. Um, this is also being done, unlike the previous ones, in secret, in the basement of the Capitol. The other ones, as you know, yeah. were public. This has not been public. Not only are members not allowed to go, the press has been thrown out, has not been allowed to be in those either. But the Intelligence Committee, half the members there, roughly half, are Republicans. They are getting to ask questions. I mean, they've asked questions repeatedly. So it's not just a Democratic uh, Soviet-style hearing, as Representative Scalise said. Michael, I'm glad you say that, but how do you know? Because the press has not been allowed in. So let me tell you what I hear from my colleagues. In other words, but one of the things that is um, um, amazing to me is, not you, you, you guys are here locally, is how the national press isn't insisting on being present in these hearings that are not classified. Well, they, me, they're not just, classified, they've just thrown out, here, have not allowed the, the press, though. and they've not allowed 75% of the members of Congress uh, to even view the transcripts, that, by the way, is without precedent. Yet. But here, here's the difference. You brought up the Nixon and Clinton impeachments. Right. Those were predicated on investigations that had already happened. Correct. Yeah. This time, what's transpiring now is kind of like that investigation prior to. So it, it's different in that 
what judiciary, what the Intel Committee is doing is that prosecutorial work that had already been done. That's what makes this different. Well, it it's totally different because in the other cases, you're right. There were there were investigations, impartial investigations, that showed something went wrong. In this case, the Attorney General's office looked at it. They didn't find anything. Um, and so therefore now, in what has become a very partisan effort, you have the chairman of the Intelligence Committee doing a review as, he as if he was the prosecutor. But in the two previous ones, again, the president had right to counsel. The president had attorneys there present. In this case, you have the same member being judge and prosecutor. And this is against any norms of fairness of precedent and of the rule of law. All right, let's let's move on if we can to the substance of yes. why this is going on, which is of course the July 25th phone call between the president and President Zelensky of Zuc uh, Ukraine mm -hmm. in which the president President Trump said uh, essentially you will get your nearly 400 million dollars in military aid if you investigate the Bidens, look into the DNC, and you'll also get your White House visit, but you've got to do these favors for us. Except now, that, Michael, that was not in the call. I mean, you're just well, interpreting I, what the call I have was. read the transcript. Right, as, I, as have I, as have I. That, There's no mention of a White House visit there, so, so that was not in the call, with all due respect. So you're kind of inferring other things in the call. But, well, I, but that call is Taylor, the entire thing. All right, Ambassador Taylor yeah. and Sondland talked about the White House visit. That, that right. you're right. That was not in the call. Correct. But the the you know, but do us a favor though. I mean that phrase, doesn't that trouble you? I don't know about you, but I say a lot of times, hey, do me a favor. Will you yeah, do A, B, I, and C? But do you, but you say that to the president, president of another country um, about it? It's interesting. This president speaks this president opponent. speaks that way. Now, here's here's the interesting thing. Let's let's go into the specifics, because I think Michael, you've 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 found in both of you on the actual issue. Does that conversation that has been made public merit, warrant, the voters of the American people getting thrown out by Congress in an election based on that one conversation. Let me give you some facts about that conversation. It's public. Yeah. Uh, impeachment yeah. is not a small thing. It's throwing out the well, will of the people Only by Congress. Only three times in the history Correct. of this country. Correct. So based on that conversation that is public, does it warrant, does it merit throwing out the voters' will? Um, well, in I will fairness, tell you, no. That's, that's not what's occurring. That's, that's it's what, not that is throwing what out the voters' will. It's a constitutional process called impeachment. But let me ask and you. And let me talk. To, let, but, but I have a quote here by the Speaker of the House, which is because I think this is important. And, and the merits of the case are hugely important. None of us have had access to the, uh, which, which is I think something that is a part of the problem. Democrats have not allowed access, not only to members of of, of Congress, some have but seen also the members of the press. statements from everybody who has testified. The you opening statements have the been made public. You have seen what the chairman has decided That's to true. leak. What right. was the quote now, that you wanted to now, read? Now, the, the, and I'm not, I'm not talking about you two, but I am amazed that the national press hasn't said, this, these are not classified hearings, we demand, for the American people to see what's going on, which is what we've been saying in Congress. But here's a quote from the speaker. She said, this is not a long time ago, March 2019. Impeachment is so divisive to the country that unless there's something so compelling and overwhelming and bipartisan, I don't think we should go down that path because it divides the country. Yeah, so here's a question. Has this been done in a bipartisan way? The answer to that is absolutely not. Has it been done transparently? We don't yeah. know what was said in those meetings. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Is it fair? Absolutely not. But I still think that uh, that the the key issue, 
The key issue is whether that conversation is enough to throw out the president, the will of the people. All right. Well, that's, a key a, issue. that's certainly that is the question that, that you is. and 434 Correct. of your colleagues are going to vote on. Correct. I guess maybe by Thanksgiving. But but here's the question I would ask you: If you don't think the conversation amounted to an impeachable offense, Correct. which you clearly do not, do you find the conversation troubling? Of, uh, offensive, inappropriate. How do you characterize a president yeah. saying to a president of another country, get involved and help me in the 2020 election? Here's the interesting thing. When you look at that first paragraph that a lot of folks have, have honed in on, that mentions the part that says, do me a favor, he's, doing, he's actually talking about the 2016 election, by the way. But here's, here's a couple of interesting things that we just have to note. In 2014, there was a bill passed by the House and Senate, became law, which was to help fund help the, the Ukraine, and there it specifically mandated the administration to look into corruption yes. in the Ukraine before funds are expended. And, and that's what Joe Biden was trying to do, reportedly. Well, except that there, there, that was a quid pro quo. And in his own words, in his public confession, that was a quid pro quo. But in the 2014 legislation, and then in two, uh, uh, in an NDAA, the Authorization uh, uh, National uh, Defense Authorization Act, and then in appropriations bills, it mandates, Congress mandates the administration to look into corruption, specifically in the Ukraine. And so the question is, is now Congress going after the president for doing what Congress voted that he had to do in the first place? And so, but let's get back to the gist of this issue. It's all based on one conversation. The president, right, is accused of doing a quid pro quo with the Ukraine. The Ukraine, the victim says it didn't happen. Well, the funds of course he's were say that well, after wait, but the fact. okay but wait but there's more than that the funds were released without anything in exchange michael so in other words unlike what uh, biden said when he was vice president he held back the funds in a quid pro quo yes. and then the funds were not released until yeah, and the, the prosecutor was fired well, in this case there was no quid pro quo and nothing happened so in other words all this is because certain people don't like the tone of a conversation by the way it is fair it is fair to not like the tone in a conversation, but Do does you it not merit like the tone? Do you think the tone I, is? I, I, there are a lot of times or... I don't like the tone of conversations coming from the administration, but is th does that does that merit throwing out the will of the American people in free elections? Absolutely not. Yes, man. Let me just sort of ask a broader question, and that is: for the last three or so weeks, while these secret hearings or closed door hearings have been going on, you and all the other Republican leaders have said, uh, uh, we, this cannot go forward legitimately until there is a formal authorization vote on impeachment. So Thursday, we got the vote, and you all are still complaining that it's unfair. I mean, first you want the vote, then you get the vote, but then you don't like what yeah. the vote did. Well, because what the vote uh, did was formalize this process that has been grotesquely <clears throat> untransparent, unfair, no due process. And so again, one thing, yes, absolutely we wanted this process to be like it has always been in the past. Yeah, and unfortunately no leadership has not done that. I'm sorry, I'm right. sorry to interrupt. There is no provision in the Constitution or anywhere else that says a formal authorization vote is needed. I'm not so sure there was one for Nixon or Clinton. But there, it's interesting, the House, the House is run by rules and precedent. Right. And so um, I would, by the way, agree with you that the Constitution is vague, and even House rules are vague, but precedent is not. And there has been precedent in the House. This process has been, has destroyed precedent. But again, 
Here's the question. If these are not classified hearings, which they are not, why do it in the basement of the Intel Well, they will committee. be public, but they are going they to be, be public in a couple of weeks. And among those testifying, excuse me, yes. is Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Venman, decorated Iraq, you know, Afghanistan, sure. you know, wounded there. Distinguished career. He testified before the committee this week. He was on the call and he was so disturbed by what he called. He went to his superiors twice and said, there are things in the rough transcript that have been left out and I want them put in. Uh, now, Lieutenant Colonel Venman, I think really for the president, is a very damaging witness. What do you think? I, again, I have not been able to see any of the testimony. I have not been able to, I haven't gotten access. I was one of those who just asked, very, you know that my nature, I, I, I work in a bipartisan way, that's what I've always done. So I just asked, hey, I just want to go see quietly. Let me go see, read, uh, what's there? They, I was not allowed to do that. So all of this is, the, is conjecture the, the, because it has all been done in secret. So here's what, what I, would, uh, I would ask. You all are not D.C. press, but I would ask all of you as well in the press. Start demanding that all of these hearings be done in in the in the light of day, which is how they would have they they have be been done in the two past. to three weeks. Yeah, but but Michael, so I guess the, the new standard is that you do it all in secret until later you decide that it's going to be made yeah. public when no, you decide. That's, that's the process. But so that's what but that's question. what's happened. And again and again, so I would just ask you to demand from your colleagues in the press in DC what I know you would demand of us if it was here, mm -hmm. which is this has got to be done in the day, in the daylight, not in the basement when they're not classified hearings. If, by the way, there is not things that are not if they're all being done properly, why are they doing it in such a secret fashion? I would argue it's because they do not want the American people to see what's going on. Well, let's talk about the American people for a moment, and specifically the yeah. American people in District 25. Yes. What are you hearing from mm -hmm. your constituents? Because, uh, because it's a pretty right. favor impeachment, not favor impeachment is pretty split in Florida. It is, yeah. it is, and I don't get a lot of calls on impeachment. Really? I get calls about, about the cost of, of, of prescription drugs. I get calls about health care. I, I get calls, I do get calls in this community, this is not going <coughs> to surprise you, about foreign policy, about Venezuela, about Cuba, about Nicaragua. I get calls about the economy. Thank God it's doing really, really well. Impeachment, as you well know, uh, you have folks that support it, folks that are against it, without having the facts. Uh, and what I would like is those facts to be public, as opposed to be, to be done in secret, which is why this has been such a, a disgusting, ugly process. Right. Before you go, it's so valuable yeah. to have Miami, Dade, and Broward's one Republican congressman with us. <laughs> um, this week, you are part of a bill that's going to be very valuable to South Florida if it passes uh, the Farm Workers Workforce Modification Act, and, yes. and that it's a pretty technical thing about immigrants who come to work for agriculture. Correct. What are you trying to achieve with that? And it is difficult. And what is the likelihood that this is going to be seen through to the it's end? It's difficult. It's technical. It's controversial. We spent months working on it. Key in a bipartisan way, putting everything on the table. It does, in essence, three things. It, it, it legalizes and normalizes the, uh, the ag workforce in the United States. It modernizes the H-2A visa process, which, mm -hmm. as you know, is impossible to use. We even made and you a has, for that. Oh, you yeah. do? All right, good. Yeah. Wow, you um, guys are sophisticated. All right, there you go. And then it, it, it creates, it, it man its mandates uh, E-Verify mm -hmm. for all ag workers for the entire country. Those are the three basic elements. All of those are controversial, but 
the, the reason why we're optimistic is we've done it in a bipartisan way. We have farm labor groups and farm groups. We have over 250 farm groups, plus we have the farm labor groups. Um, it's, it, is it going to be an easy uh, lift? No, but the fact that it's bipartisan gives us hope. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Congressman, what would you say to, say, Paul Damari, the tomato king of yes. South Dade, you know, who, you know, is a huge ag grower he and is. influence, and Mr. Damari, very philanthropic guy, too, uh, he and others in agriculture in Florida, big ag, say E-Verify is going to decimate their workforce. What do you say to that? E -ver he's right that if it's done as a vacuum, it would destroy not only his workforce, it would des destroy ag in the country, which is why this is in conjunction with normalizing the work, the workforce, uh, modernizing and fixing the H-2A process, then you can do, you verify. That's, that's always been the kind of the stumbling block. So it's a very delicate balance. It's not a perfect balance, yeah. but it is a bipartisan balance. It's part of this process to move the, 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 the ball forward, so to speak. And I'm optimistic the bill will get even better. But the fact that we have farm groups, farm and labor groups, um, including, by the way, all of the uh, Florida um, farm groups are on board, mm -hmm. um, and bipartisan buy-in. Uh, now we have to get more bipartisan buy-in. That's the way the process is supposed to work. There's a smaller and smaller group of us in D.C. that actually get things done. To get things done, you have to do it in a bipartisan way, right. and that's what I continue, I continue to try to do. Uh, one more question before you go. This week, the administration in part of its crackdown on the Cuban government, halted flights, commercial flights to Cuba, but for nine different def destinations, but for Havana. Mm -hmm. um, in an effort, I'm sure, I mean, you are so involved in anti-Cuban government activities mm -hmm. in the United States, in an effort to starve that government of whatever proceeds that might bring. But does that not throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to Cuban Americans who really need that kind of ease to go visit their families? How, weigh in on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The effort is to, to in essence, stop funding the regime. And unfortunately, the, the, the deals that were put together by the previous administration in the White House were meant to help fund specifically the regime. This administration has been step by step, and I think in a very uh, intelligent fashion, has been backtracking on some of those, taking some of those back. Then I think you're going to see more of those uh, coming. Uh, you're also going to be seeing more sanctions dealing with how Venezuelan oil gets to Cuba, uh, sanctioning both Venezuela and the Cuban regime. So I think those are important steps in the right direction. And I think you're going to see a lot more of them. So what does that do to the families now who might have to fly it, into Havana and somehow make a 15-hour yeah, drive to Santiago yeah. they're, they're, to visit their yeah. families? The one thing that we have to keep in mind is that the reasons that the families, that the individuals, that the people in Cuba are struggling is not because of U.S. sanctions. It's because of this regime that has been there for 60 years. The policies of this administration is to make sure that that regime does not stay for another 60 years. Congressman, we are out of time, but I thank you for coming in. Great to have you. You are always welcome to come. We Jesse? enjoy having you. Right I feel that way. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that.